We've been studying the story of our great redemption, the innocent for the guilty. Acts 2.27 is our foundational scripture from the words of Peter in his preaching on the day of Pentecost under that powerful anointing. And he quoted from the book of Psalms, uh, talking about Jesus. He tells us this, this refers to Jesus. Because you will not leave my soul in Hades. Now, I'm reading from the New King James Version that instead of putting hell, the word hell, it just leaves it untranslated and gives us the word Hades. Nor will you give your Holy One to see corruption. So if we're going to understand what Hades is, then we have to go and see the other references in the New Testament that use this word. And nowhere in the New Testament does it refer to the grave or does it refer to the place of protection after death? It does not refer to that. It only refers to the place of torment and the place of flames and the place where the wicked dead go to. And we have that from the very lips of Jesus in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 24, where the same word that's translated, that's transliterated really, Hades in Acts 2.27 is the same word that's used for the hell of flame and torment where the wicked rich man was taken to there in Luke chapter 16. Again, in the words of Jesus. So we said, Jesus went in our place to hell. Because he suffered for us what we would have had to suffer. And thank God we don't have to go there. And we saw how Jesus suffered, his sufferings in Hades were given to us through the prophetic words of the psalmist in Psalms 88 and Psalms 18. And now we've been studying Jonah chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to give you some more scripture in the book of Jonah, that whole second chapter. Actually, the whole book of Jonah, but really chapter 1 and 2 should be studied profusely if you want to get a real revelation, especially that second chapter of uh, Jesus' sufferings in hell. And you remember the reason that we have every right to study it like this is because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, he gives us this declaration. Now here it is. Matthew 12, 40, and even as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish, three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth, three days and three nights. Now, this is where Jesus gets that declaration, three days and three nights, and also gets the timing, how much time he was going to spend his body in the grave and him in hell suffering for us. We know that this is exactly what Jesus was referring to. And uh, let me go back here in the book of Jonah, chapter 2, verse 2. He cried out to Jehovah from his distress, and he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried for help, and you heard my voice. Now this immediately tells us that Sheol cannot be the grave. You don't cry for help from the grave. Your body, once it's dead, in the grave, it's dead <laughs> until the resurrection, but it's dead. Your physical body has no life of its own once the spirit and the soul have abandoned the body. And that's what happened to Jesus on the cross. He left his body on the cross and they put it in a tomb, but the spirit and soul, the real man, went into hell to suffer for us. And notice that 
both Jesus and Jonah recognize this place Sheol as a place of consciousness, of one being conscious after death, and also a place of suffering and torment. They did not equate it, uh, Sheol, with the grave or the place of burial. And this is important because it refutes the idea that Sheol just means the grave. I mean, I've heard some scholars that didn't know what they were talking about and some preachers that didn't know try to tell me that that's what the word Sheol means as a rebuttal to our study. But in Jesus' thinking, and in Jonas's thinking, the term Sheol was and is a place of the consciousness of one's own existence after death, but it is a place of great suffering and torment as well. And I also told you that literally, a Septuagint, the Greek translation, the ancient Greek translation, it was very ancient. It was old at the time of Jesus. It had already been translated the Old Testament the Hebrew of the Old Testament in the Greek 300 years before Jesus ever walked the earth. So it was old by the time Jesus got here. That's how old this thing is. All right, but I wanted to tell you that because in the Septuagint, that sometimes you'll see it uh, abbreviated as LXX, which stands for 70 because the tradition is that 70 elders translated it. You'll find that the word Sheol here in this verse 2 Jonah chapter 2 is the Greek word Hades, the same word, Acts 2.27, the same word used in Luke chapter 16, it's talking about hell, folks, and this is where Jesus was for us. Now, I don't know how much clearer it could be, but it's going to get even clearer. Notice verse 5, waters encompassed me. Again, I'm not going to take the time to do it, but if you'll study it, you'll find that in Hebrew, this word encompassed is the same word that's used in Psalms 18 verse 4 and Psalms 116 and verse 3. Now, both these scriptures talk about the fact, and they were both prophetic utterances, and I showed it to you, that actually Peter got his wording for Acts 2.24 whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Okay, the because Jesus suffered all kinds of death, spiritual, physical, mental, in hell, everywhere. And it was not possible that he should be held by it. Now, again, Psalms 18, 4 and 5, and Psalms 116, verses 3 and 4, is where Peter got his wording for that. And this word encompassed, is the same word that's used in both passages when it talks about the cords of death have encompassed me. Okay, and now notice, even to my soul, the cords of death encompass me to my soul. Well, this takes us back to Acts 2.27. You will not leave my soul in Hades. Let's keep reading. The depth closed around me. You notice that word depth? In Hebrew, it's the word tehom, and it means, guess what? An abyss, the deep, deep places. <laughs> and if you'll go back into the uh, Greek Septuagint that I've been telling you about, it uses the Greek word abusos, 
Or if you'll go to the Latin Vulgate, which is also an ancient translation, it uses the word abyssus. And both words mean the abyss, the place of torment that we've seen all over the book of Revelation, especially in chapter 9, and I believe it's chapter 20 that use this word. This word is never a reference to the grave. It always has to do with a place of demons and destruction and death. And this is where Jesus went for us. So again, I mean, how much clearer could it be? And then the depth closed around me. Seaweed, one translation says, another says reeds were clinging or were bound up or tied up to my head. And the word head means also chief, sum, or total. Well, where uh, Jonah was concerned, he probably did have seaweed clinging around his head. But where Jesus was concerned, Jesus had the torments of darkness without God wrapped around him. And around all his being, because he was in hell in torments. But now, stop and think about it, so did Jonah. Jonah had darkness. I mean, there was no light in that belly of that great fish. As far as he knew, he was in hell. And it was clinging to to Jesus, see? Just like that seaweed clung to Jonah, and Jesus couldn't get it off of him. And Jesus' soul and spirit were in torment because this had, death had encompassed him and hell had encompassed him. This reminds me of Isaiah 53, 10 and 11 that says that Jesus' soul was made an offering for sin, and that God saw the travail of his soul. Now, study that word travail, and you'll see it means sorrow, misery, pain, and trouble, among other things. And now let's go down to verse 6 in Jonah chapter 2. I'm giving you a lot of information here. Because, you know, as you study and as you grow in the Lord, you learn a whole lot more. And this is what I'm doing. I'm teaching you some very important facts. And now this verse 6 is something else. If you thought verse 5 was something, this verse 6 says, I went down to the bases of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. But you brought up my life from the pit, O Jehovah my God. Now, If you think that the word pit is only referring to the grave, then you got a problem because the word life doesn't say you brought up my body from the pit. It would have used uh, the word basar in Hebrew or some other word referring to the physical body. But it used the Hebrew word for my life here, chai, which means life. And it's talking about spirit life. If you go back to the book of Genesis, (laughs) he made him... When he created Adam, a nefesh chayim, and that means a living spirit, a living soul, excuse me, a living soul. So really it's telling us that, that his spirit was brought up out of the pit. So it can't be talking about the grave, even though this word pit also means destruction. But if you'll study it and look it up from the uh, Septuagint, and then go to the Greek-English dictionary like Thayer's, you'll find out that this Greek word that's used here for pit also means the pit of hell. Now study it. I, I challenge you. But here's something that will really shake you up. You see where it says you brought up my life? 
Let me read to you Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 9. Oh God, this is, this is powerful stuff. This is stuff that's not even in my book that I'm sharing with you now, but I will be uh, adding uh, some of this in a, in a future reference, study references. But Ephesians chapter 4, actually he quoted, first of all, uh, chapter 68 of the book of Psalms, and he said in verse 8, this is Ephesians 4, 8, don't lose your place in uh, Jonah because I'm going to be going back there. But he said, when he ascended on high, you see that word ascended? He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, Paul goes on to explain some more and to use two phrases here from the Greek. Now, this that he ascended. Now, look it up. It's the Greek word anabaino. He ascended. He anabaino. What does it mean but that he also first descended or went down to? And here is the Greek word for descended is the word katabaino. So you got anabaino ascended and you got katabaino descended. You hear those two words? Well, go study it. Jonah chapter 2, verse 6. And remember, we've seen over and over again that this lowest places, lowest parts of, uh, of the earth has to do with this, that Jesus went into the abyss, that Jesus went to the lowest pit, that Jesus went to hell for us and suffered. Study it. Katabaino, descended, anabaino, ascended. Amen. Okay, now why am I bringing that out? <laughs> Jonah's... 2.6 from the Septuagint. I'm telling you folks, this is the only place where you find in the New Testament that both these words are used. Ephesians 4.9. Katabaino and Anabaino. Here's something interesting. This is the only place that you find where it's used in the Septuagint. Jonah 2.6. I went down is Katabaino. To the bases of the mountains, the earth with her bars, was about me forever, but you brought up, Anabino, my life from the pit. Now, I'm sharing this with you because it's obvious that in verse 8 of Ephesians 4, Paul is quoting Psalm 68, verse 18, I believe it is. And, and then in verse 9... He brings it together with this reference from Jonah chapter 2 and verse 6. He does this in no other place. I'm trying to explain to you. This is the only place that this is found like this. Amen. Check it out and see if it's right or if it's not right. And you'll see why I'm telling you Paul was making reference to this in verse 9. Amen. Both katabaino and anabaino are used in Ephesians 4, 9. Both of them are used there. And that's very important for us to understand. So he brought up his life from the pit. So Jesus was in the lowest pit, the lowest hell for you and me. The forever place of separation from God is where Jesus went for us. And Jesus speaks out by faith as Jonah did and declares, You brought up my life from the pit or destruction. Oh, Jehovah, my God. Man, he was declaring his faith. He was declaring that God would bring him out by faith. He was calling Jehovah his God. 
even on the cross when God departed from him. You remember what he said? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, he was calling Jehovah his God even when God uh, departed from him because of our sin and death that he bore for us. He still called God my God. Well, in Hades, he calls God his God, regardless of the torment and the fainting of his soul. As it goes on to say in verse 7 of Jonah chapter 2, When my soul fainted or grew weak and showed feebleness within me, he said, I remembered, but that word remembered is much more powerful. It also means I confessed, I considered, I made mention, I took thought, and I recalled Jehovah, and my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. When the soul of Jesus was fainting and wanting to quit and give up, he would remember and recall and confess Jehovah, his deliverer. Glory to God. Jesus would again assert his faith that his prayer was heard by his God. He knew his soul couldn't be left in Hades. Glory to God. He knew that God would get him out because he had never sinned. He knew that the sacrifice would be completed. Jesus knew that God would raise him up from among the dead in Hades and from the grave. Jesus knew that victory of the resurrection and the exaltation was coming for him. Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm excited about this. Woo! Hallelujah. Jonah chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. I will sacrifice to you the voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill, and that word fulfill doesn't say it, it's the word shalem, from where we get the word shalom. I will complete, and it also means I'll be in a covenant of peace, which I have vowed, or promised, or pledged, or given my word to, which means a solemn promise by which a person is bound to an act. And then he says, Yeshua belongs to Jehovah. That's what the word salvation is in the Hebrew. And we're going to talk some more about that because this is so powerful. He calls his own name. Yeshua belongs to Jehovah. Right from the midst of hell, Jesus offered the sacrifice of praise with his own mouth. And he called on God's salvation. And uh, have you stopped to think about it? What is Yeshua? Anybody out there know? Yeshua is the name of Jesus in Hebrew. Hallelujah. Well, right in the middle of, of all the oppression and the pains of death, according to this verse 8 and 9, Jesus offers the sacrifice of praise. And Psalms 8, 2 says that praise will stop, cause to lack or fail, put down and away the enemy and the avenger. Jesus was speaking out the defeat of all of hell and with his mighty and powerful praise. Amen. We'll continue on the next one.